Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the World. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff That's right, my friends. Now is the time to do the work that you feel most created to do in this world and to live the life of your dreams. And to talk about dreams today in the studio, I have with me a very special guest, once again, my wife, Stephanie. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing excellent. We have been having quite a journey over the last couple of weeks working together. And it has been, for me, a dream come true. It is not something that I initially dreamed of the way that it is, but there's new dreams that have been spawned by chasing after original dreams. I don't know if that, any of that made sense. <laughs> it makes sense in my mind. I, by the way, I am. Can you tell that from my voice that I am yes. getting over some sort of upper respiratory something or other happening uh, that kind of knocked me out this weekend? It did. You spent the whole weekend in bed, which is not like me. Like the whole week, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I came down yeah. like five times throughout the yeah, weekend. Something like that. Just to to have some substance of some sort. Anyway, Stephanie and I have been working together. And what I mean by what I just said is that years ago, as an insurance agent, I had this dream of going out and becoming self-employed and finding a way to provide financially for our family doing something that I felt made a difference in the world beyond what I was doing in insurance, not to negate the value of the work that I did as an insurance agent. It just didn't seem to live up to the standard of which I felt called to live in the world. Okay. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. For In some way, I felt like as an insurance agent, I obviously had the privilege of adding value to people's lives one client at a time. But through the podcasting that I was doing, I was reaching thousands of people, tens of thousands of people at a time. And the amount of people who were responding to me with genuine, authentic questions. Cliff, what do you think about this? I, I'm, I'm so tuned into your worldview, the way that you think about things. It's just a refreshing it, it it gives me hope for a future. I mean, I feel I am filled with hope. There were a number of people who, as you know, had written letters to us to say, as a result of the content that you and Stephanie are creating, even about a TV show, believe it or not, I made the decision to not take my life. I was void of all hope. And by listening to you and your wife, there's something that draws me to that. And I feel free from my past. I mean, this, this is the kind of communication we were getting from a number of people. And I, I began to think, it's like, I really believe this is more along the lines of what I was put on this earth to do. When I evaluate even my childhood, when I had a CB radio and I'm sitting there broadcasting illegally to Price Hill across the river, you know, and all these other things, it, it, when I look back at all the things that used to interest me, the passions that were, I think, built in I realized that I was designed to live the life that I'm living today. And as a kid, I remember people saying, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember that it, there was really only a few acceptable responses to that. Do you know what I mean? What are, right. the, what are the acceptable responses for a child to answer back in our days? When we, when we were growing up, when when Adults asked us that question, what was the appropriate response to be a responsible adult? What would you say? I think I think our backgrounds are different enough that those would be different answers. Okay. What well in but your for, mind? But for me, my answer was a teacher. Okay. A teacher is certainly a, an acceptable profession for you to choose. 
And what are some other ones? You're doing that fishing thing again. (laughs) Well, tell me if you tell me if you agree with this. Doctor, okay. Pharmacist, okay. Firefighter, nurse. All right. um, High school educator, teacher, uh, dentist. Um, dental hygiene. I mean, you, you, all right, yeah. You, you see what there? These are the accepted okay. norm things. But I, I agree with you. But here's where I'm going to say that our our backgrounds are different because I think that anything that is is considered blue collar service related, mechanic, yep, um, construction, farmer. These were the things that were acceptable in my circle. And they, those would have been and, acceptable and so, in my circle as well. The, 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 these so are that's tradi- where I'm saying that, that maybe yeah. our background is a little different. No, I, I get that. I, it, I certainly did not grow up outside. I mean, you grew up in a more rural setting than I did. Uh, but I, I would still say that as a, as a kid, if, if you were to say, I want to be a, an auto mechanic or... I wanted to do. I wanted to be a farmer. Those things would have been acceptable back then as well, because they were the known quantities. Right there, there is a proven track record of people who consistently are able to generate significant, or not significant, but um, consistent, sustainable, sustainable income from those professions. There had been a track record proven, and, and there are there are educational paths that can help you. To, to figure these things out, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas as a kid, if you're dreaming, like I always love my friend Chris Pavone. One of the things I love about him is that his dream was he wanted to be a pro wrestler. Right. I mean, he wanted to, I mean, and Chris won't hate me for saying this because he knows that there's some stereotypes out there. But if I was to think about that, when when I was in middle school or yeah, if I was in middle school and a friend of mine says, you know, somebody asked him, "Hey, I want to be a pro wrestler." It's like you want to put on p- pajamas as an adult and get They're into not a- even pajamas. When we were kids, it when when we were kids, they were not even pajamas. Well, spandex, something or other. You want to put on spandex and you want to jump into a ring and fake fight with somebody and get paid to do that? Come on, nobody does that. That's not true. Well, I know because you got. You know, even when, if you want to go back to when we were kids, the two names that I remember are obviously Hulk Hogan, who, yep, you know, and um, Andre remember, the Giant. Okay, so that's three. But Jake the Snake. <laughs> I, I why I he think brought I that snake into the rink every time? I do not know. But dude, it was creepy. Yeah. And um, but I re- I remember watching that. Yeah. I have four brothers, so I you know watching wrestling was a part of growing up for me. But it but what's crazy is that it seems like some people have some dreams that are out there. You know, I I I can imagine some people who said, Hey, I, I just wanna live outdoors and be able to fish all day and make a living fishing. You know? <laughs> I'm gonna find a way to spend a majority of my time outdoors on the water in a boat. And that's what I wanna do for a living. Now, that doesn't seem all that doable for a lot of people that seems it's like wait no 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 you want to go to college and you want to do this there's no proven track record for that yeah okay sure you can look in some magazines and see some people out there who have a fishing show on television but i mean not just anybody can do that do you see what i'm saying not just anybody when you want when you want to pursue something that not just anyone is able to do you know, not not everybody who wants to become a professional wrestler becomes a professional wrestler. Not everybody who wants to become a professional fisher, per, fishing professional, becomes that. You know, there's there's those things that, well, those you don't get your hopes up on being a football star. Don't get your hopes up on being a basketball star. Because not get, everybody makes it. Because not everybody makes it. And so I think what happens is because there is some degree of risk and not everybody makes it, a lot of people are taught to not set their hopes too high for something. And authority figures come along and say, listen, you might want to settle for something a little bit more realistic. Yes. Would you and agree with that? I, I, I Absolutely, I would. And this is not the direction that we're going. So I don't want to get too far Um you know, I'll, I'll just put one foot on my soapbox and not both and and say that the current education system in 
I'll say in Kentucky, I, I won't even include the rest of the states, the current education system in Kentucky is creating robots and they will crush your dream because they are just trying to create something that is going to bring the next institution money. They want to bring their institution money and the next institution money. And that it, it, it's not about what you want to do or, or what your dream is. It, yeah. Well, Dan Miller, I was listening to his podcast the other day. And it's changing in Kentucky. So it's actually getting worse. He he mentioned something that he saw on a sign somewhere. It was like one of those marquee signs, and it's something that the principal had put out. And he's like, listen, here's what I'm committed to. Our school, our mission is that 100% of all of our students will graduate with a such and such GPA and will go on to get a degree in college. 100% of our students, that's our mission, that's our purpose. And as and of course, obviously, this is something that that many principals would be proud of, right? And right. and a lot of people say, yeah, we could, and the teachers could get behind that mission. And what Dan was saying in his podcast, and I'm paraphrasing because it was a couple of weeks ago that I heard him talk about it. Is man, what a what a sad statement to think that all of a sudden your mission is to, regardless of the the dreams, the hopes, and the desire, and the skills, and the natural gifting, the natural talent, and the natural interests of each of these students. Your vision, your mission, and your purpose of your educational institution is to throw every single one of them, regardless of how God made them, is to put all of them into a higher education institution where they're going to get a degree to do some kind of professional thing. What about the diesel mechanics? What about the people who are landscapers? What about the people who will do concrete work? What about the HVAC people who are going to service people's heaters and keep their war- their houses warm? What what about these people? The, what, these people matter as well, and their dreams of building that kind of business to say that you, he he said I would much rather see a principal that says, listen, in our school, our vision is that you know, 60% will go on to college, 30% will go out and get a trades career, you know, 10% will be artists and 5% will, you know, whatever. It's well, like- we're in this place right now, you know, um, this time last year, we had a senior in high school who was graduating and planned to go to college. The, and so she would, she would be asked, where are you going? What do you want to do? And she had an answer for a while um, which was to be a teacher. And that has since changed. And so then she said, you know, I'm going, but I'm going in undeclared. I, I'm not exactly certain what I want to do. And and so this year, you know, a whole calendar year later, we have a senior in high school who is getting ready to graduate. And when asked the question, where are you going to college? He says, I'm not going. I don't have a desire to do four more years of school. I am thankful to be done with the four I just finished. And I want to start my own business. Hey, and by the way. And they're like, that's really cool. What are you going to do? Well, I'm look. I'm really looking into getting to this fulfilled by Amazon. And so he, you know, starts, oh. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, is your answer? Oh, is your answer? Yeah, that that's their answer. Because well, it doesn't seem like that's a reasonable track record for for a proven and, path. And it may not be. And yeah, it may not be. It may not be. But he has a plan. And isn't having a plan more important than that? Here's the thing. I've done both. I've been the child who's going... I've, I've been the mom of the child who's going into college without a plan... And the child who's graduating not going to college with a plan. And even I think one's better. Right. And I love both of my kids equally. Yeah. Well, I love all three of my kids equally, but I'm using these two in this. Right. In this scenario. In this scenario. So, and, and even the, I think that one is. What, what you're talking about is the importance of having a dream that drives you. I think that, matter of fact, what is the scripture that's on there? Is it uh, Proverbs what? Can you read that? Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Right. So where there is no vision, the people perish. And another way of thinking that is without a dream that guides and directs our path, 
we will perish. We have to be, we have to have some sort of vision of what our future, what's what we're called to do. And going through life aimlessly without some destination that we're going to, then we will end up a derelict ship in the middle of the sea, tossed about by the wind, and and we will our life will be off course all the time because well, we don't have a course. You know, and and we will just end up nowhere at, at in the middle of the sea, and we'll be stranded and eventually over washed up and die. I mean, that's exactly what. Without a vision of our future, we will perish. We need to have vision. We need to lead our own life with vision, with a dream. So, I'd rather have our children have any dream. Even if that dream is not necessarily, if they set the destination and then and and figure, okay, that's not for me. I, let's change course here, and I'm going to set a new destination. How many times have I done that? Right. I've right. My, well, I mean, that goes back to the whole analogy that you've shared multiple times that that sometimes you can't see what's beyond your path until you get to the destination. And do you know what I'm talking about? It was like a map or something. Yeah, you the can't idea see is the that island it, over here. Yeah, until you, you get to the edge of the island that you're on. Yeah, you don't even know that there are other destinations that are even options for you to choose from until you get far enough out from land to see. Oh my gosh! Here I thought I was sitting there on the beach, looking out at the sea, and I saw this island out there in the distance, straight ahead. And that it's like, all I know is I don't want to be here and I feel called to go out there. But then as I get close, as I pull away from this island and then even the landmass, I realized that the, the land to the right and the land to the left was blocking my vision. The only option I saw was out at sea, that one island. But man, the closer I got to that island, I started to realize there's all, all sorts this- of other options for me to go to, all sorts of new destinations that I never dreamed possible and it wasn't it wasn't until i started to go towards and get closer to that original destination that i decided wait a second podcasting as the podcast coach and consultant to the world isn't my vision it isn't my calling there is this other thing and and then i'm like okay i'm going to drop that and pursue something different but in a way i'm still pursuing the same thing i love it's it's funny cuz in some ways it's like did i give up on a dream of 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 what I or did you or dream has, change and grow? Yeah, I, that's that's the question. And my my dream has always been to be able to find a way to provide financially for our family, doing the work that I feel most called to do. And for a season, it was podcast coaching and consulting. And there was a time when that served me extra, served us, our family, and those I worked for and worked with served them extremely well. But there became a time when it wasn't the best fit and something else needed to be there. And, and that's when all of a sudden, like, okay, this was great. This, this, was an invo- this was an invaluable use of my time for the last decade. But I really feel like I'm now being called. Th- this pr- I learned so many things here that are now prepared. They've prepared me for what's coming next. And that next is is moving on to another destination. I'm not at my final destination. And the place that I'm heading to right now, I don't even know if that will be my final destination. But I do know the value of pursuing a dream until at least some bigger dream comes around. The one thing that I do know is I don't want to give up on the pursuit of my dream. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Awesome. So uh, we were looking up quotes because we want to talk about this whole idea of giving up on dreams. You and I are reading a book together. Actually, you're reading it and I'm listening. And it's by Rachel Hollis. Tell us about the book and how you came about it. So the book is titled, what's, what's, which book am I reading? Girl, right now? wash your face. <laughs> Girl, wash your face. And by Rachel Hollis. And how I came about finding this book, a, um, one of the members of my Free to Thrive Mastermind, she asked me if I had heard of this book. And I said, I have not. <laughs> and it's my understanding, this book's been out for about a year. And I, I had not heard of it. And she said, well, I'm noticing, on, I'm noticing on my social media that people are like 
have bad things to say about this book. And there are, you know, if you can, you can return something on Audible and get your money back. And so people are requesting their money back on this book. And I'm just kind of wondering, I'm just kind of wondering, like, what what is all the negative hype about? You know, what is wrong with this book? And it's mostly Christians who are and it's mostly Christian complaining women who about are the complaining message about of this book. And so I, I I did something where I actually went looking for a negative review, review of this book. And I read it. It was from a Catholic blog. And I'm not, I'm just saying where I found it at. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact blog, but I did, I did. When you go looking for negative reviews, you're going to find them. Yep. (laughs) And I I read it, I read it in its entirety and I'm, the author was funny. Mm -hmm. I, I I enjoyed the way that she wrote her, her blog post, but I did not agree with it. Okay. So that set me in the, well, if I'm not agreeing with the negative review of this, I'll check this book out. It was very much, it's very much the same feeling that led me to reading Fifty Shades of Grey when I read that, you know, what, 100 years ago. Oh, you're going to open that can of worms in this podcast episode, huh? If you want to know why I read Fifty Shades of Grey, feel free to email me, stephanie at ravenscraft.org. All right. And so there, I opened them and I closed them. Are you you ready? So I I decided to, to text the woman in my group. Yep. And I said, I'm going to, I, I'm going to read, what if we read this together? Or maybe she said, what if we read this together? I, I don't remember, but decided that I was going to read this book and, and picked it up and started it. And you and I have decided to read and it we've together. we've been reading it together, which is actually holding me back because my, my first, my first. Your commitment was to read a chapter a day, right. every it's day. It's a chapter. It, there's 20 chapters and I was going to read a chapter every day for 20 days. That gives me the whole day to think on the chapter and, and process what it was in it. But I was going to finish this book in 20 days and my husband is slowing me down. I am so I'm slowing only, you down. I'm only on chapter six. Well, we just finished chapter six. So yes. we'll, we'll read seven tomorrow, hopefully. And I love this book. The, the first six chapters, it is absolutely amazing. I cannot I was, see anything wrong with the first ch- six chapters. No, right. But I was in love with this book For- when I finished her introduction letter to the reader. Yes. I know what you're going to say next. And I decided that I wanted to meet her. Oh, okay. What were you going to say? What? <laughs> that she started chapter one with, I peed my pants yesterday. <laughs> Honey, I pee my pants every day. I, you know, when you write something that's relatable. Yep. <laughs> and so, no, I, I fell in love with this book when I read her introduction to the reader and it resonated with me and it, it's, I'm like, I've been talking about this for years. Yes. I just haven't published books about it. Exactly. And so I, I'm, I'm going to meet Rachel Hollis someday. And I, I think that maybe we were destined to be friends. Well, and, why not? <laughs> right? Why not? And, you know, I've never I've never spoken out loud that I wanted to meet anyone. Like you said, you wanted to meet Dan Miller. Yep. And then like a month later, that happened. Yep. Um, Which was really cool. But I have never spoken out loud that I want to meet someone. This is the first time I've ever done that. Yeah. And. And I can tell you right now, it will happen. It It, it will. It will I f- definitely happen. I fully happen. believe that that it will happen. And so I, I'm I'm in love with this book. And so I'm, far. I'm loving it as well. As a matter of fact, you're reading it out loud and I'm taking notes in my journal about the things that we're reading. In fact, Again, he's slowing me down. I am definitely <laughs> slowing her down. Can you reread that line? <laughs> what did she say there? I'm writing it down verbatim. I, I am. I annoy my wife so much. Anyway, so today... That's one of the things I love about you. It is one of the things you love me All right. So anyway, hold fast to your dreams for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. This is a quote from Langston Hughes. It's just a random quote that I found on the internet doing, hey, can you show me some Google? Can you show me some dream quotes? And I love this. Hold fast to dreams for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. And I love the imagery of this because if we allow our dreams to die, 
It's it's like we're not able to live the life for which we were created. We were we were meant to fly. We were meant to soar. We were meant to rise above. We were meant to see things from this unique perspective of how great of a gift life is to us. That life is always happening for us. And when we give up on our dreams, we're settling for a life of hobbling around with a broken wing and 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 just failing to ever rise above. And some could say, well, you don't understand. I have, you know, some pretty terrible things that have happened in my life. And I think we're going to get into that. What we wrote down, and this is inspired from a little bit by chapter six of Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And the each chapter is a lie that she confronts. And the lie for chapter six was something like uh, no means... It just when, when, when no doesn't mean no, or no doesn't mean stop, you know? Yeah, it, basically the whole idea is I that didn't write it down. I, I did it, but I didn't bring my journal in. But the, the idea is giving up on your dreams. Why? And, and so the question that Stephanie and I ask for this episode is why do people give up on their dreams? We, we're very much involved in helping people achieve their dreams, walking towards their dreams. We believe it is our mission and our purpose to set people free from what's holding them back from living their dreams. to find their dreams. Yeah, to discover the ability to dream. But for those, specifically today, we want to talk to those who have had dreams but give up on them. All right, so they knew that they had a dream, but they've given up. Why do most people give up? And there's lots of reasons, but we've come up with five different reasons that we're going to talk about uh, first and foremost. So first of all, uh, they believe those who say that it can't be done. Who are some people in life that would tell us that our dream can't be done? An authority figure, a parent, any naysayer. So it's a teacher who says, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you say, I want to be a pro wrestler, (laughs) right? It's like... (laughs) And they laugh at you. Well, exactly. And they laugh at you. What word and in what way they phrase their response can set a child into two different paths in life. Especially if it's a teacher that, that the child looks up to and admires. And respects, and absolutely. Respect, I mean, you've just set them back years. I'm reminded of Ken Davis. He's a great friend of ours, Christian comedian, author, amazing human being. Uh, he did the closing keynote for Free the Dream. And he talks about how he used to get in trouble at school all the time. He, he would always make jokes and he was always the funny kid in the class. And, and one day he was causing so much trouble in his class that his teacher says, hey, Davis, I want to talk to you after class today. I think she called him Kenneth. Yeah, or Kenneth. <laughs> and and so he sat down, or he the, the teacher sat him down, and she said, listen, you have a gift, and you need to use it. But not in my class, buddy. But you will never use it this way in my classroom again. I think you should go for the speech and debate team. You need to use this gift and 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 make people laugh. And that set him on an entire traje- trajectory. She spoke words into his life that fueled a dream. Mm-hmm. That, it's an incredible power. I mean, it's an absolutely incredible power. And I think about some of the teachers that my kids have now and and don't think that I am, while I think that the education system in Kentucky is broken. I do not think that all teachers are bad. Right. There, I, I believe that there are people who are actually called to mold the lives of young people. Yep. And those are incredible, incredible people. I also believe that there is a whole generation, I would have been one of them, who are teachers because they don't know what else to do. Yep. Or because they've already done one thing and... This just seems like the next. Well, this will get me through. Um, this will give me two, the summers off. This will give me summers off. There are there is one teacher that two that our oldest two children had teaching. No, th- this is her second career. Okay, and sh- she is a retired physicist, brilliant mind, 
absolutely brilliant mind. And she retired from her job, but she was bored and she didn't want to be at home all day. So she's teaching. She is an excellent teacher and she's loving it. Matthew had a teacher in middle school who teaching is her third career. And she tells you what else she did. One of them was she was she was a chemical um, physic, whatever. Anyway, um, and she says, you know, when I started teaching, I found what I was meant to do. And so I believe that there are excellent people out there who are right. meant and called to shape them. But I do believe that there are ones who have fallen into it and should never be allowed to mold minds. And in that, there is great power, both for good and for bad. And I've seen some of the bad. I- I've seen it come through my own children and how debilitating it can be in a house where we think a little differently. We live outside of the box. We refuse to be ordinary and normal and, and status quo. And so when our kids are going to a place every day where they're trying to crush that, it can be quite frustrating and quite debilitating for our kids. Right. And, and I will argue that I, would, I, would, I, I agree with your sentiment. I don't think those teachers intentionally go out to crush their dreams as much as to say, hey, I don't believe the same way you believe. I believe there's a limitation on how much risk you should take and the responsible. And it's like, let, let me, let me help you guide you into more, a more realistic view of how life is. Listen, because this is what, what I think these teachers are doing. They are crushing people's dreams, but, but they're doing it out of, a, out of, from the right intention. You're just like, let me, let me save you a lot of heartache, a lot of setback, because if you try to do this, there's a very high likelihood that you will not succeed and you you can save yourself so much pain and struggle and strife and living paycheck to paycheck or maybe going months without paycheck and let me tell you life is hard and and sometimes you just got to be willing to do things that you don't love to do just so you can be responsible and 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 contribute to your family and 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 so you just got to have a realistic view on what's possible in life. And I think and I that you're, I think you're that. dreaming a little bit too high. And I think you're setting yourself up for failure. I and I think that they mean well that. when they're saying those things, but yes, they're wrong. They are wrong. And my question is: Is it their job to do that? It's it, it's my job as the parent, right, to set that standard, to set that. Well, then there would be some and say so, that, well, you, as a parent, it's your responsibility to educate your child too. What are you doing sending them to this place? So th- th- we, I understand. The thing is, it, is, it is the, the reality is, is we have allowed our children to be a, participate in the public education and the public education system takes it upon themselves to say, this is our responsibility. And those teachers in many cases say, are, are taught, hey, we are here to make sure that we meet a certain level of proficiency so these these kids can have the best option available to them education-wise. And of course, we all believe that the best option, the best possibility for them is to go on to college. That is, that is what they feel their responsibility is as teachers because that's what they're taught through the system. I agree. And I know that. And but we knew that not, signing up. We did, but it's not their responsibility that if a child, my child, believes different for them to tell them they're wrong. Right. That That's not. And so that's where I'm coming from. That That's where I'm coming from. I'm not hating on teachers. I'm honestly not. Um, I have a high respect for teachers because I can barely handle the three children I have at their current ages. I would... I have a 13-year-old, and this weekend I had four 13-year-olds in my house. Okay, I don't want to be in a classroom full of 13-year-olds. And these were all girls, and I've done the 13-year-old boy thing, and I ain't going back. Like, I have a respect for the people who choose, especially the people who choose middle school. <laughs> yeah. And and so I, I, I know that, it, and I'm, I'm, 
and I sounds like I'm bashing on teachers, but that's not my intention. My intention is the system and the system is broken. Well, I, so, I would agree. But the thing is, is just, the, the reality is, is a lot of people have get, have decided to not pursue their dreams right. because somewhere in their past, a teacher, um, a, a, a loving uncle or aunt, uh, a mom or dad, a youth who, leader, a youth leader at church, anybody that you that said, "Hey, get real. This is not. You need to do something a little bit more realistic. This you're you're shooting for the stars, and you're gonna put her out, and you're to drift off in space somewhere. You're not gonna make it, you know. And 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 they believe that, and so they give up on the dream. They it's like, well, I I obviously want to do what's responsible, and so they have these beliefs associated with that. A second reason why people fail or give up on their dreams. Somebody else is living their dream and they can't imagine living it any better. Um, for me, when I thought about like, when I, matter of fact, I, I remember this. When I left my career in insurance, I'm like, I've got to find a way to make a living uh, to provide for my family financially by doing something related to this podcasting stuff. I Basically, I needed to be able to free up my time throughout my week where I had the freedom to connect with people through emails and through content that I was creating. This is what I was called to do, but I know that that's not paying the bills right now, so I need to find a way to make a living. So, And, and, I'll, and at least if I'm working for myself as a podcast coach and consultant, I can work my own hours. If I want to, I can work from you know 7 p.m. Sun to, up to sundown. Exactly. I could do whatever I want. And that would allow me the freedom. So the question is, one thing that was naturally available to me was my number of hours invested into podcasting. I knew a lot of things. I made a ton of mistakes. I, I knew all kinds of things to avoid. I knew how to succeed in doing a lot of things that people wanted to do. And they said, Cliff, I, I want to hire you as my podcast coach and consultant. And I remember thinking, it's like, man, do I call myself the podcast answer man? Because that's, I was thinking, I'm going to create a podcast called Podcast Answer Man. And I remember asking myself, who am I? to call myself the Podcast Answer Man. And at this time, even though podcasting was brand new, there was already a guy named Paul Colligan who had a podcast about podcasting. There was another guy named Jason Van Orden who was teaching people about podcasting. And these guys were already like knocking it out of the park financially. I mean, they they had already written books about podcasting. And here I am, this guy who's been podcasting for a hobby for two years, and I'm now calling myself the Podcast Answer Man who am I? And so sometimes some people look at other people and we compare ourselves to their success. They're already doing what it is that I feel like. It's like, and if they're already doing it, why? They obviously have more credibility. They already have the books. They already have the fame. People already know to go to them. Why would anybody hire me when somebody else is already doing what it is I want to do? Exactly. So Because your experiences are different. Your stories are different. You're different. I mean, I, I said these words. I said these words to Megan this weekend. Our our oldest daughter was home for her spring break, and I said these words to her. You know, Rachel Hollis is doing what I want to do. Simple as that. Yep. And she's she's doing it well. I'm enjoying her content. Yeah, she's doing it very well. Why would I mess with that? Well, because. My story is different. My experiences are different. I'm a different different life stage than she is. I have a different I have the same message, but a different way to share it. You have a different voice. You have you have those different experiences that Rachel hasn't had that makes people resonate with you on a different exactly. level. So that doesn't mean that because she's already doing it that I can't try that I can't go after it with everything that I have. And the thing is, is the it's crazy for us to think, well, gosh, they're already living the life I want to live. It, the reality is we don't see, really that, know what Rachel's life is like. Right, but here's the thing. I'm living the life I want to That's live. That's exactly it. Right now, every moment of every day, I'm living the life that I want to live. Do I have a dream about the products that I want to create and, and the different... You know, she was on Good Morning America this morning. I don't have a desire to be on Good Morning America, but I have a desire to change the lives of women and to break them free with truth. Right. And I believe that your desire for that and your and the things that you'll be drawn to do will afford you opportunities to be invited on shows like that in the future 
without you dreaming of doing that. And that that's been on my mind as well. Gosh, you, you, those, those are Rachel Hollis. We're we're just now discovering who Rachel Hollis is. Right, I had no idea who she was. But I mean, the, a lot of people. My, the person that I I'm it's like I want to do what Tony Robbins has been doing. It's right. like you talk. I mean, figuratively and literally, those are big shoes to fill. Right. It's like who do I think I am? It's like it's and the thing is, I don't necessarily feel like I need to do anything that Tony is doing the way that he's doing it. Um, there's a very specific vision of, of a conference and, and tens of thousands of people that dream still scares me. Um, but that, that dream is there and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that it's not there. I'm not going to not say it because I'm afraid what people are going to think is like, how arrogant does he think he is? I, and who knows? I, what if I don't, actually achieve it. And of course, that's going to come up in just a moment. Um, So that is the third reason. The third reason is uh, that people give up on their dreams. They're afraid to fail. I mean, what are other people going to think or say about them if they don't live up to it? See, I told you, you know, gosh, Cliff, you said that you would have 300 people at your first Free the Dream conference. You had 87. Ha ha. Shows you who you are. Dude, your friend Pat Flynn has his first conference and he sells 300 tickets like this. Blah, blah, blah. Who do you think you are? Just pack it up and go home. You know, these are the, these are the thoughts that sometimes I'm tempted to think myself. These are certainly the thoughts that other people are expressing publicly about me because they're, I guess, somehow jealous of, of what success I have had already. And they're like, dude, you know, you're making me uncomfortable is the only thing I can think of is why they feel like they need to publicly try to to bring me down all the time because I don't see what other value there would be in doing that. But the reality is, is that I, I don't think that I've ever been tempted to give up uh, because I was afraid to fail. But I can tell you that I've had the fear of failure. I, so I've, I've, I've experienced the fear of publicly stating what my dream or goal is and my my inability to achieve that that thing that I said that I'm going after. There have been times when I've I've experienced that for failure. There have been times when I've said things publicly, this is what I'm going after, this is what I'm going to do, and then when it comes to the literal achievement of that goal by that time frame, I failed to do it. And that's in front of everyone. And I feel that sometimes, but I still don't allow that to say, hmm, maybe I should go back and and think about getting a day job. That's not, I am living the life for which I was created. The one thing for me is it's not the achievement of the dream that makes my life worthy of living. It's not the achievement of the, it's the pursuit of that dream. It's, it, it's, it's being drawn to something. It's about growing. For me, I think what my, my key values are is personal growth and being able to take what I've learned and contributing to others. And I think that by doing that, I am living out that my best life I can possibly live, being willing to fail and learn from it, and then teach others from what I've learned. And that, for me, is becoming more of who I've been created to be. And I believe that by my being willing to do that, I can help other people become more of who they're created to be, and in some cases, help them experience less failure along the way. So, some people do give up because they're afraid to fail. Do you ever experience a fear of failure in your dreams? Have you um, thought about it? I don't know that I've thought about it. I, I think that I am far too stubborn to give the fear of failure more than a passing thought. Like, if I look back at my, if I look back at some of the things that I've accomplished and some of the things that I've done, I don't know that I've ever struggled with the fear of failure so much that it's been debilitating I think what, or stopped me from moving forward. I think a part of your personality, and it's one thing I love about your personality, is, is that for you, when somebody tells you that you're going to fail, I love that you take that as a challenge and, and you will refuse to allow yourself to fail because I'm going to show you how wrong you are. This is the, okay. And here's the thing. Do you remember a hundred years ago when the notebook came out, the, the movie, yeah, the notebook? Yeah, I've heard about that. Okay. I don't think you've ever seen I have. the notebook. I but think it's where they write letters to each other through time. 
it shows two different time periods, but it's the same couple through it. So, and yeah. I, anyway, I think I remember um, it. It's the movie that makes everybody cry. Yeah. And okay. that's all I heard. That's all I heard. Oh, you yes. are going to watch The Notebook and you are going to bawl your eyes out. You are going to cry so hard. It is just one of the most beautiful, moving. You were just going to cry and cry and cry. My dad cried during The Notebook. My brother, Justin, who I know that means nothing to any of you listening, but he's a lot like my dad. And so my brother, Justin, cried during The Notebook. So I sat down and I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch The Notebook and I am not going to cry. And I am proud to announce I watched The Notebook and I did not cry. And, you, and there, there's, a, there's a real reason why you did not cry. You, you went into it. I conditioned myself. You conditioned yourself. You knew what you were going to focus on. When things happened in such a way, it's like, listen, I know that this is a part where I would naturally be drawn to cry, but I've already made the decision I am not going to cry. And so you actually were able to, in the moment decide what you're focused on. You change the meaning in your mind and, and the action you took was not crying. So I love that about you. There's a certain book that, <laughs> that was going to ruin my marriage if I read it. And I set out and I'm, this book is not going to ruin my marriage. Yep. And nor has it. So that's, so that's something that is not, but, but there are a lot of people out there. So this, yeah, I, these I don't fears. know that I, tell me I can't do something. Please. Please, somebody tell me I can't do something because I find great enjoyment in proving, in proving you wrong. wrong. <laughs> that, that, that's one thing I love about you. I love it. So um, number four, the uh, fourth reason why people uh, give up on their dreams is achieving. I'm just thinking of all of, the re- the, all of the things that I've gotten through because people, my dad said we would not last a year. Our marriage would not last one year. Yep. We have been married 20 years. Two years. It'll be twenty three in August. Yeah, I'm thankful. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> I'm thankful to to him for those because I'm sure that 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 phrase from your dad got us through those first eight years of our marriage. I, I, I they did. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. So, just all of the things. Anyway, go, ahead. go ahead. Tell me what I can't do. Do you tell and me? And then what let I me can. show you. All right. So the fourth reason why people give up on their dreams that we've come up with, uh, achieving dreams is hard work. Uh, well, yeah, it is. A lot of people just are they they just feel like they cannot handle the consistent obstacles, setbacks, and the rejection that comes from achieving going after their dreams and having one setback after another. Well, yeah, I mean it it is one setback after another when you just keep hitting roadblocks or you just keep tripping over yourself or you know whatever it is that's that's standing in the way of, you know, maybe the, the, the finish line has moved so far. You can't even see it anymore. I'm tired. I'm tired. And it's just easier to stop here than to keep moving forward. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is that it's like, maybe it's not meant to be. And see, this is that thing whole, that whole, you know, what, what am I focused on? Well, gosh, I had another failed attempt. What does this mean? And a lot of people say, well, God obviously doesn't mean for this to work for me. Otherwise, he would open doors. And it seems like he's closing every single door. And this is one of those scenarios where I think that sometimes we put up, we, sometimes we as Christians have been taught to lay the blame at Satan's feet, or sometimes we lay the blame at God's feet. God just doesn't want this for me. He's, he's, he's t- trying to give me a message because if he really wanted this for me, he would open the doors. Mm-hmm. But you know, it doesn't always work out that way. And if if that's the if that's the philosophy that we have, that God's just going to open up all the doors and it's going to be easy peasy, that there is no going to be, there's not going to be obstacles. No, God says, listen, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. It doesn't mean that you're going to, it doesn't mean that the first time you knock, sometimes you're going to have to knock a whole lot, right. lot. And sometimes the front door maybe wasn't the way to get in. I love, so um, Rachel just said this in, in this chapter. She said, when the, when the front door is closed and locked, try the side window. Yeah. Like there are other ways to get in. I was, I was talking, I was watching last night on YouTube, some random videos and Stephen Wright, the comedian, mm-hmm. he's the one that kind of talks monotone and says, blah, blah, you know, well, I wonder why they call it a freeway when you anyway anyway so he said that he says i you know i was born uh cesarean born and so i've always had a difference in life and 
And uh, one of the things I find is that uh, you know something like I, I find my that my neighbors find it weird that I'm always going out the window <laughs> when I leave the house. But any he, he that's goes, funny. He, anyways, any, so the idea here is that sometimes we just have this picture in our mind that this is how we're going to live out our dream, you know. And especially if we just read a story about somebody else who this is how it worked for them. And when it doesn't work that way for us, we think that there's this secret formula. There's this secret sauce that if you just do this, it's this is how it's going to happen. The thing is, is your dream is your dream. It's your story. You're living out your story. You're not living somebody else's story. And you don't know what it's going to take to get there. And if you give up because it's hard work, here, here's the thing. One thing I can tell you is that practically everyone who does something worthy of talking about, they have gone through setback right. after setback. Some of the most successful people financially have went bankrupt how many times? Right. You know, that's a part of their story. And we don't like to focus on what life might have been like for somebody who's a multi-billionaire. Uh, but we don't, we, we look at their lives today and see what and how they live today. But we don't that's, give much thought to how much to how they Heart. got there. Yeah. What did they have to go through to be in a place where they could actually live up to the stress of, of that of those, success today? You know, you see all of those quotes and stories and stuff. Um, they, they show up in my Facebook feed all of the time. And one of them that I saw last week was what was similar in that you, you cannot look at someone today and say, oh, they haven't made, they have it that when you don't take into account the journey that it took to get them there. Yeah. One quote that I love that Rachel Hollis is bringing out time and time again in her book. This is a quote that we've heard through Tony Robbins and everybody else as well. And that is, you have to see this. Life is happening for you. It's not happening to you. Mm -mm. And when you think about all of the experience, people ask me, Cliff, if you could go back and change anything you wanted in the first year of your business, because you, we've often shared how difficult our first year of business was. I was working 14 to 18 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, didn't take a day off for the first nine months. At the end of the first year, we made $11,000 personal income, net personal income. And in January 2009, after my first year in business, I landed myself in the hospital and I almost died. Um, so people say, Cliff, gosh, you must have learned some things by now that you could go back and change. And I tell people, I would not change anything. It's all of the stupid mistakes that I made, all of the, all of the setbacks, all of the obstacles. I grew through every single failure. Every stone laid the path to where I am now. And I, those things didn't happen to me. They happened for me. They laid the, I love the, st the stones were all helping set a solid foundation for me to build on the success that I have today. So today I don't take success for granted. I don't take the, the financial wins that we have and, and say, oh, well, life is bree easy breezy now. We can sit back and relax. No, I know from prior experiences that life has seasons. There's our, there are ups and there are downs. My devotion today was um, that all seasons are um, interim that every season you are in is building you for the next season. Yeah. I like that. And um, I did too. I enjoyed that. So, and then a fifth reason why people give up on their dreams is traumatic experiences. You know, you, you have no idea what happened. I mean, this just happened to me. I was... I'm lucky to be standing. Yeah. Like, I, it's taking everything I have to... Um, this Is Us is a show that Megan and I watch, and it's an excellent family drama. I absolutely love it. And in these, it, it shows present time and then flashbacks to show the story of this family. And in the flashbacks, a character is dealing with the death of her husband. And, um, and she says to, to one of her teenage sons, it takes everything I have to get out of bed each day. And I have nothing left to give after that. Yeah. And, how true that statement is. There are things, there are seasons, there are experiences, there are situations that are so traumatic that it takes everything we have just to be sitting upright. 
or standing upright or going through the motions of everyday life. And so in that case, it, it is easy to give up on your dreams because, you know, I, I'm I'm barely hanging on here. Yeah. And, and sometimes what happens is they say, listen, this is, wow. Some, I know this sounds crazy, but I think Rachel said this in her book. Some people look at their traumatic experience and they sigh a sigh of relief. I don't think she used those mm-hmm. exact words, she but, didn't, but, but, yes. but this is the, the feeling that she was expressing. She's like, oh, wow. Finally, I have, here, an, out. <laughs> I have an out. Here's a, finally, I can give up on my dream because nobody in their wildest imagination would ever expect me to continue to, to pursue this dream with this trauma taking place in my life. I finally have an out where I can get out of this without feeling the the judgment of others, you know, for that failure. Um, but here's the thing. In, there are so many stories, whatever traumatic experience, and, and I can't speak, you and I have been so blessed that we have not experienced major trauma in our life on grand scales that some other people, I mean, it's, right. it's insane. I mean, you've had more trauma in your childhood than I ever had. Um, but still, there are people out there who obviously have things that are way worse than what we Absolutely. have ever experienced. Absolutely. But the reality is, is that some of the people who have the worst traumas that you and I, I mean, we we hear stories. They have the best stories. But, Not the best stories, but they have the most moving stories. Right. And, and the people who have experienced trauma who is far worse than anything you can imagine, but yet they're the ones who we watch on, you know, an Oprah program, who have achieved, who have achieved greatness and pursued their dreams in spite of being born with no arms and no legs, uh, in spite of being in a car accident or a motorcycle accident, and eighty percent of your body is completely burned, uh, third degree burns, and then all of a sudden, uh, there, there's this guy. His name I can't remember his name right now, but he ran for a congressman in I think Colorado or something mm-hmm. like that, and and he went around being pushed around in a wheelchair, and he says, "Vote for me, and I promise you, I will just won't be another pretty face in you know whatever." So it's just like there are these people out there who find the will to live and to pursue and to change lives and to and to do something to what can I learn from this and how can I use it to serve others. And I think that that's really the the key here is is our dream just for us? And by the way, is there anything wrong with that? But the the thing is, is is in the pursuit of our dreams. I think that would be an individual answer. Yes, but in the pursuit, it's the pursuit of our dreams that we're going after something. We have something that is drawing us towards it, and it's our it it is the things that happen, good or bad, the open doors, closed doors, the rejection and overcoming it. It's all of those things we learn from every experience that helps us grow, that makes us more valuable to those around us. And the more we overcome, you know, the more we overcome what people have said in our past when they told us it couldn't be done, the more we look at other people and say, well, if they're doing it, why should I? But we go forward anyway and make our own path and do our own thing so that one day somebody looks at us and says, well, if Cliff and Stephanie are doing it, then why should we? Uh, The more that you put yourself out there in spite of your fear of failure. It's not that you don't have a fear, but you're moving forward in spite of your fear. The more we do that, the more that we're willing to put in the hard hours, the hard work, the the obstacles to overcome them, the the finding unique ways and of get of getting beyond these challenges. The more we're able to take whatever traumatic experiences happen in our lives and move forward, it's those things that will motivate, encourage, and inspire other people. So I love this phrase, is life happening to us or is life happening for us? And can you live a life where in pursuit of your dreams, you look at every challenge, every obstacle as saying, hey, what is there in this that's going to help serve me in my pursuit of serving others in all experiences of life? Does that sound too Pollyanna? Not to me. Not to me either. And I think that that's what, I think it's it's all about our perspective. I think it, it really is. How do we view life? How do we view the things that are happening to us? Why do we have dreams in the first place? And and that's that's what we wanted to share. These are the reasons why most people 
give up on their dreams. These are five reasons that came up to us as we as we wrote some notes down after reading this chapter in Rachel Hollis's book. But um, what's holding you back from your dreams? We would love to know. Email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Just write me an email, holding me back from my dreams in a subject line. Let us know what's holding you back from your dreams because we definitely, Stephanie and I, both feel called to help people pursue the lives for which they were created. And I believe that if you have a dream inside of you that you feel called to pursue, we believe that dream was put there by a creator and that you were meant to pursue that dream regardless of whatever it is that's holding you back, that's tempting you to give up, or maybe that you've already given up. Maybe you need to rekindle that dream. And of course, Stephanie and I also want to help those of you who say, all this dream talk, I don't have a dream. It's, it's there. Yeah, you do. It's there. And we want to invite you to come to the Free the Dream conference in September. So head over to freethedream.live, freethedream.live, and learn how you can achieve your dream. And if you don't know what your dream is, come and discover what your dream is. And in, more than anything, become a part of this family, the, this dreaming community of people who are going after the lives for which they were created. We get together on a monthly basis at this point and have some of the most amazing calls. We have a, a community online. If you sign up for the Free the Dream conference, just go ahead and buy your ticket over at freethedream.live and email me directly, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com, and I'll give you instant access to the uh, video, the online course version of Free the Dream so that you can get started on this information and start applying it to your life today. You, my friends, were meant for something more. Don't let anyone else tell you that your dream is too big. Until next time, Stephanie and I can encourage you to what? Take your dream to the next level.